Lady from Day is an original novel adapted for radio. Lady from Day is written and produced by April Sadowski. Previously on Lady from Day, the four captives, Leah, Rowan, Siegfried, and Daylat, return to find the backup of Leah's men and are then introduced to Mira, Randy Anderson. Daylat also finds the company of Gloria Nadell, Fiona Thrale, who was the seamstress of the tapestries at Ferris Castle. Book 3. Breaking Out is Hard to Do. Chapter 29. Finding the Ironsmith. We had just come out of the cleared area that was used for farming by the villagers of Wa'awin, and were entering the forest that connects Ferris to Fenarion. As we started our venture southwest into Fenarion's bordering forest, Oikas, we were all discussing things related to Fenarion and Medonia. Daylat was telling us what she knew about Emta, while Emta herself and the Fenarion army, along with her ironsmith bow, Byron, were based in Lysaria, which is not far from the border, Medonia was where the king and queen lived. We could never get assistance without going there, but we decided at the last minute to head to Lysaria, and at least try and contact Byron first, as it was on the way. Daylat was looking forward to the trip, obviously, as both her parents were still rulers there. She couldn't wait to let them know that she was still alive, and I'm sure they would be glad to see their grandson Rowan as well, as he had been in Kairi for two years. Daylat, how often did you come to Medonia to see your parents? I wondered this because sometimes ruling families just kept to their own. If Daylat married Birchall and he was king, his place was in Faerus, and I would think that going to Medonia would have been an unaffordable luxury. It wasn't too often. We tried to come here every two years or so. Rowan has obviously seen a lot more of them than Dashiell. Once she was afflicted, the Kingdom of Ferris just shut down most of their external affairs. We traveled when we could, but for us to take the trip when Dashiell was in her state would have cost Ferris dearly. After she was cursed at five, we never went again. It's been over ten years now. They only remember Rowan when he was a child. Yeah, over ten years, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I don't remember a lot either. Rowan stopped to kneel and help Siegfried move a large trunk that had fallen on the path, who knows how long ago. The river Hiver could be heard at a distance away, and it could be assumed that the tree had fallen due to lightning from the area. I was about ten years old when Dashiell became afflicted, so of course I was still very young when I travelled back and forth. Not to mention that Mother would have me stay at home with our nurse, as she was afraid I could get sick or something. I, I do remember that my grandmother, Queen Hera to you, likes to spoil me. When I was there one day, she gave me a pony, and she said I could take care of it whenever I came by. She also said that if I was old enough, I could get a big horse. <laughs> I wonder if she still remembers that. I haven't seen her in ages since I grew up, but uh, I think I'm due for a horse. <laughs> the horse would be good to ride about now. Ugh, a horse with a good hitch. Oh, my arm is killing me. Let me look at that. Siegfried blushed as she started to feel up the arm, pressing gently till she found where it hurt. Ow! You know, watch it there, wild woman! It's a poultice. Rub it where it hurts and you'll feel better. Mm. 
Ugh, it smells rotten. Oh, here goes nothing. That was amazing. Huh. What is it stuff made out of? It is a mixture of prunifolium and opulus box. I always keep some around as it is good for a wide number of things. Mostly feminine in nature. Mira took the container back from Siegfried after he applied the poultice and put the lid on. She gently placed it back in her pack and we continued. Thanks, Mira. I owe you one. I noticed Siegfried steal a wink at her and shrugged it from my mind. From what Daylat had mentioned, Edonia is about a two or three days journey, depending on how long it takes to get to Peter Lotus Valley. We were going to initially bypass Lasaria in order to save time, but since we were laden with supplies, it would help to rest there and find Byron. We would head to Lasaria, then through the Peter Lotus Valley to enter Medonia. Someone who is injured would only drag the time out longer, so I was grateful to Mira for helping Siegfried with his ailment. Perniflonium in Opulus Box. That is a new one I have not heard of. I discovered it while looking for an alternative for Detora for the womenfolk of Moirawind. They often come to me, but Detora has such ill effects it is not always welcome. Opulus is not only good in alleviating pains, but I found that it can also prevent miscarriages. Mira headed off for Daylat so Daylat could lead, and she started talking about herbs and things while we continued on foot, ever more closer to our destination. Rowan glanced at me and winked, and I tried to direct my eyes elsewhere. It didn't help that he was also trying to walk closer to me. What do you want? Uh, am I suddenly not allowed to walk beside you? You know, you are just much better to walk with than your companion Siegfried. I mean, not to be rude or anything, but that tonic does smell like rotting fruit. I couldn't help but start to giggle. I turned while walking to notice Siegfried sniffing at his arm, and the rest of us way ahead of him. It would have been fine to have him in front if the smell didn't travel downwind to us. I suppose you are entitled to. I don't really blame you either. I can smell him from here. I wonder how long that solution has until the scent wears off. Well, hopefully not too soon. It gives me an excuse to be closer to you anyway. But, uh, hey, if it doesn't please you, I guess I could walk with my mother. If she wasn't too interested in what Mira has to say. But I, I, I don't mind that, really. I mean, I, I don't imagine she had much time in those years at the Gorlek to, to, to say anything she's ever wanted to say, just for the fear of her identity. I'm sorry. It was hard to realize it's been so long since he's seen his mother. And now that he gets to, she doesn't talk with him. He did say he didn't mind it, though. Perhaps your mother is an excuse to get closer to me? Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps. Rowan winked at me. I tried to dodge his eyes, but I couldn't help but be captivated by them. His eyes were pools of the finest chocolate, and I couldn't help but swim in them. I shouted ahead to Daylight in order to rid myself of the enchantment that Rowan was trying to place over me. How far are we from Osaria? The sun was waning over our heads, and I was worried that we wouldn't have enough time to arrive there until the next day. It is probably another five or ten miles away. I think we will be able to make it there before sundown. 
After we leave Lasaria, I would prefer to camp for the night before we enter Peter Lotus so we aren't stuck without any sense of direction. There are several cliffs and the shiver is broken down into so many little waterfalls that it would be very dangerous. We should sleep in the trees before we enter Peter Lotus then. We are still very close to Cragash and I would not want to be held hostage in their keep. I am sure none of you would like to go back there either. I suggest that we scout for hostels and then eat some of what Rufus gave us, and then head up to Lasaria. I'm sorry we slept so late, Mira. We could have left earlier and rested a bit more. If I knew you were up and about, I would have tried to keep you company. That's quite alright, Siegfried. I took the time to ready my mind and body. There is a certain regime I go through to prepare myself for long journeys. It involves calming the mind and body through breathing exercises. Maybe you could teach me them when we're up in the trees later? Mira nodded and gave what looked to be a wink. It seemed out of character for what I've seen of her to do something like that. Perhaps she had a piece of dust in her eye. As we continued through the forest, it became more and more dense. We finally came to a suitable patch within that contained some newer oak and maple trees. Part of the area looked like it had been burned in a fire. Bite on them all. Golegs only know how to destroy. There are little plots like this in Harper Wood. They have burned the trees and used the ash for their baths. They think because the bark shelters the tree, it will also shelter their bodies. Such a sad thing, indeed. We should think of what we can do for our future. We need to keep the Gorlogs in their own territory and make sure they aren't a threat. Sometimes I just wish I could fight fire with fire. Killing the Gorlegs won't solve anything. There will always be some new challenge or new foe. Yes, you're absolutely right, Mira. That's why I want to start negotiations with them. Uh, eventually, after we get all the prisoners out of their keep first. If the prisoners are still there, they can use them as leverage for blackmail or trading. But I think we can more easily talk with them when they don't have the upper hand anymore. No matter what, though, my sister is still the priority. We need to find Dashiell's cure first. Daylight, why don't you tell us what the cure is? I think we are safe enough distance away. No, Leah, I can't. I promised myself that unless I had no other choice, I would tell her myself. It's been a burden that I have kept for five years. If it came down to it, I would share the secret with you. I just don't trust the years on the wind. I nodded slowly, and we started to get ready to eat a bit before continuing to Lasaria. Rowan and Siegfried scouted the area for Gorlags, while Mira and Daylight went to gather firewood. Rowan, before leaving, offered to catch a hare if he found one, which amused Siegfried. I set about getting the food Rufus gave us out of our packs and finding suitable things to cook with. I found a nice piece of wood, unscathed by fire, but I shaved down a bit with Mira's side dagger she had lent me for the time being. I whittled away points to easily sink into meat. A few minutes later, Mira came back disheartened. Daylight was following her with a few pieces of kindling. <sighs> I can't find anything more that is suitable for burning. I don't want to use a sword on the burnt trees to find any wholesome parts. Rowan and Siegfried should be back soon, shouldn't they? Right here! Siegfried was carrying a couple of squirrels in his hand and was waving them around to signal a welcome. Ha! I caught them myself. Rowan wasn't much help. He hasn't been trained to hunt quietly. 
Oh, don't give him a hard time. He isn't used to this. I caught a glimpse of annoyance from Rowan, and I realized I probably shouldn't make him feel like less of a man, especially in front of his mother. I knew he could handle Siegfried on his own, especially given the circumstances of helping with our escape from the Gorland Keep. Ah, thank you, Siegfried. I didn't realize you were so well in tune with the forest. Squirrels are very hard to catch, especially these since they have seen humans. And the Gorlags at that. If you don't mind, Leah, I would like to start the fire. These hands are quite used to doing such things. I don't want to seem useless. Do you need help skinning, Mira? Mira shrugged her shoulders, paused for a moment, and nodded. I watched Mira hand Siegfried one of the squirrels. Before she proceeded, she took the animal and stretched it out in front of her. I heard her pray over the body, thanking the Creator for giving it life so it can sustain us, and hoping its eternity was peaceful. When she was done, she started working. I'd seen other skin animals before. Siegfried considered it his speciality, but Mira was the most adept person I'd ever watched. Within minutes, she had the little animal ready for cooking. Ours was a feast indeed. Even with the innkeeper's meal that we had had earlier, nothing quite can compare to freshly cooked meat that you have captured by yourself. After we finished, we packed up our supplies and continued to Lasaria to find Byron. The dirt road through Oika started to wane a little, and we had to reduce our walking to a single line, but eventually we managed to break through into the town. Lasaria was very different from the looks of Wa'awin and other towns in Varus. It was quite evident that we were entering a completely different culture, as even the buildings took different forms. The street was paved somewhat with pebbles and stones, and they made smooth transitions into houses formed from bricks. The larger houses had mosaics made from pebbles and glass and stone. Obviously, the rich must have lived there. The roofs on the houses were made of some red material. It was held up by columns that went all the way to the ground. There were open-aired windows, but they were highly set on the building, most likely to keep out wild animals and robbers. We walked on the path, and while doing so, we received several suspicious glances from the people there. They were all wearing long, drape-like garments, with varying colours of purples, yellows, and reds. The garments looked more like people covered in bedding to me, but I would assume that is why we were all getting stared at. We were most definitely outsiders. Their clothes were pinned up over their shoulders, and I assumed those who were wealthier were wearing brooches instead. A decrepit man hobbled over to us, and he was blind by the looks of it. He was almost on all fours, as one hand felt the ground and the other lifted a clay cup for us to put coins in. Get to spare! Get to spare! A little here, a little there. I've got meat beyond my bones! I'm the wall. Required it with my painful groan. The man felt about and grabbed the ankle of Rowan. Excuse me, sir. Can you kindly remove your hands? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> your leg is bare. I've only known this of women to wear. 
Rowan realized that his legs were still waxed clean for his disguise with the gorlags, and it put him in an even more uncomfortable position. It's a very long story, old man. Must you always rhyme? I would think it's a bit tiresome after a while. The man didn't respond. He just removed his hand. He paused and jingled his cup. Still no additional coins. Beyond the creek. I can help you find those you seek. <laughs> Beyond the shiver, you mean? It was the only thing that was anywhere near a creek around here. Granted, it was a river. The man nodded in agreement and continued his rhyming. <laughs> My name is Kelowitz, and I'm a finder. In addition to that, I'm the town's only rhymer. Well, we are looking for Byron the Ironsmith. I've no idea how you knew we were looking for someone, but I suppose with the Gorlag activity, you don't get a lot of travelers in this way. Ah, going for an answer? It's the way I work! Some consider it a crime, but to me, it's a perk. It's an annoying one. Whispering wasn't a very good idea, considering the man was blind. I have discovered that when one sense is diminished, others unveil themselves to compensate. In blind people, usually their hearing is more keen. The beggar man did hear Siegfried and remarked, uh, Annoying, quite so. But do you want an answer or no? Oh, no, 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 no. Of course we want an answer, sir. I don't mind the rhyming, as long as you don't fancy touching my leg again. The man nodded and jingled the cup again. Rowan found a coin in his purse and dropped it in. Orandin currency was quite universal. It only made sense to keep it that way rather than make new ones when the land was divided. The beggar man smiled and gave us his answer. Byron, the Iron Smith is not his name now. He's in the Royal Army. If you can find him somehow, he is still here in town, so you need not fret. <laughs> I'm off to the inn to get my tongue wet. <laughs> well, I am certainly glad that is over. He was beginning to... How do you say it? Fry my brains. Yeah, yes, and a good help he was. Definitely not descriptive. Well, what do you think we should do, Daylight? I mean, this is essentially your kingdom and all. Well, it was before you got married. You know how things work around here. Where would a soldier be right now? They would be in the barracks, of course. It is getting dark outside, so we might want to hurry. I doubt they would let women in once the night begins. I just wonder where exactly the barracks are. I've only been here once as a child, so I scarcely remember anything. My opinion would be to ask someone else about this. We all didn't want to hear another rhyme for a long while, and nodded in agreement. We walked through the stone paths of Lasaria in hopes of finding someone that looked in the mood to talk to us. Most of the inhabitants could sneak into their houses when we got close, or turn their eyes to us. It was very disconcerting, and I hoped all places in Fenaron weren't like this. Calistira, 
People aren't used to strangers here. Lazaria is a city of warriors and quite off the main road to Medonia. It's not usual for strangers to come here without a reason. The voice we heard belonged to that of a man. He was tall and well-built with a bronze cuirass covering his chest, a cloak covering his arms and back, and a knee-high skirt made of dense wool and leather for leg protection. His face was darker in color than the other citizens we had seen, and his brown hair was cropped short on his head. I noticed that his cuirass held a seal of the Lasarian Royal Army, along with a brooch that connected the cloak to the cuirass. The brooch was gold, indicating a high rank. Daylight took one glance at it and her eyes got wide. What is the commander of the Royal Army doing here? Shouldn't you be in Medonia? Well, I would if it weren't for the fact that I was ordered here. Queen Hera and King Stefan are worried about the Gorlag activity as of late. I've been keeping an eye on things throughout Oikos just in case they decided to burn it again. I must admit, that last disaster there was our fault. My men didn't understand my orders and used fire threads to attack. By the time the area was cleared of Gorlag scum, it was too late. Catela Vino. The man answered and then glanced at the rest of us, obviously confused and completely lost, as we didn't understand what they were saying to each other. We typically learn only the common tongue of Orinda as it was before the kingdom split. Those well off or in other places of power learn their own native dialects in order to cause confusion and lack of understanding with sensitive information. The barracks are straight ahead that way. If you don't mind, I would like to escort you there. No doubt your male companions could protect you, but I know this place. I would hate any trouble to come to you newcomers. The man led us straight up through the town, just like he said. I saw the barracks, which looked more like a fort, a tower in front of me. The commander led us in through the gated door. So what do you need in the barracks? It is a very hard request of a woman. We are looking for the one called Byron. We were told by Kiloaris the beggar that he was in the army. I would assume that since every member of the army lives here, that this is where he would be. Well, he is here now. I'm Byron, commander of the Lazarian Royal Army. Oh, indeed. From an ironsmith to a commander, Imta would be surprised. Imta? I haven't seen her in years. She's alive? If you could call it that. What do you mean? She is a captive at the Gorlag Keep on the outskirts of Wa'awin. They are just inside the Kragash borders. It is my intent to seek the assistance of the Lesarian Royal Army in the hopes we can attack the Keep and rescue her. And who are you to ask of such a request? I am Queen Daylot of Faerys, daughter of King Stefan and Queen Hera of Fenarion. While, by my birthright, I could order you to go there now, I wish to seek an audience with my parents, to not only ensure them of my safety, but to also humbly gain their approval. Your Majesty, I had no idea. We are yours to command. The next day, after we had gained the support of Byron, we were escorted through the rest of Oikas and into the Peter Lotus Valley by Byron himself, in full regalia, and a group of his most trusted soldiers. Thankfully, we did not have to sleep in the trees last night, as was Mira's original idea. Byron let us have his room sleep in, and he stayed with the rest of his men in the great room that the lower ranks shared. They slept on thin pallets, most likely so they were more easily adjusted to sleeping in the outdoors, and we did as well for the most part. 
Rowan and Byron both demanded that Daylat sleep on the bed. To my amazement, Peter Lotus Valley was even more amazing than what Daylat had tried to describe. There's only so much the brain can imagine without having the eyes direct the puzzle. As I looked around me, the pieces all fit together, and I could see that this was indeed a masterpiece of the creator. It was nature in the purest form. Little rivulets from the heather broke down over crusted moss-covered rocks and stones, jutting out in little plateaus that snaked their way to the bottom of a vast gorge. Where we were walking, the rock had been cut into the side of the rock gorge to facilitate travellers. There was also railings made of branches hewn together for the safety of those who made the trek. When we arrived, we'd been instructed to keep quiet, and I saw why. They were very hard to make out because they blended so well with the trees and the rest of the environment, but I saw them. The pixie moths Dayletter told us about earlier had saturated the trees, to the point that they almost became a part of the tree with their unique camouflage. They looked like thousands of upturned pieces of bark jutting out, or even fungi. I could only envision what would happen if someone were to shout. It seemed like every tree was covered with these tiny little winged creatures. This is such an amazing forest. This is nothing at all as I had pictured. My hopper wood is unseemly in comparison to this beauty. I can think of something even more beautiful. Or should I say someone? Siegfried winked at Mira again, who immediately blushed. Siegfried's eyes are eventually going to give out with all that winking, I thought to myself. It was good to see him in good spirits again. It was also nice to see Mira soften her typically guard-like demeanor. I assume most of her attitude was derived from the fact that she lived alone, and was a guard for Harper Wood. The only time she ever saw the likes of fellow humans was when they needed help for ailments. I don't know if we'll make it to Madonia today. It's been quite a fog in this area over the past couple of days, and it is making the path slippery and dangerous. If anyone were to fall, instinct would give them over to surely and scream as well, which would be the doom of us all. The moths will come awake all around us. Well, we must do what we can then. We continued on through the track. The soldiers of the Royal Army were very cautious when it came to daylight. There were hints coming from all over Lusaria once they left, and they weren't sure whether it was true or not that she was the lost queen. Byron was under oath not to directly reveal her or Rowan's existence until they were within the gates of Madonia. That way, if they came into any Gulag entanglements, the men would be at least rick of torture and interrogation. We took our time going down the valley, and I was just glad it was a downhill climb. Then, of course, I remembered that we would eventually have to travel back. I would have to ask if there were alternate routes. This way is the only way from Osaria, but we weren't necessarily coming back to that town. We kept journeying on until dark when we finally edged our way out of the gorge and Peter Lotus. It's good to be able to talk rather than whisper. It was obviously a challenge for Siegfried as well, but he didn't mind so much because he had been holding the arm of Mira to assure her of safety the whole way down. Apparently, that was enough for him. We have about five more hours until we enter Madonia. Lazaria was built close enough to protect, but far enough the army isn't bothersome to the general public. It really lowers the overall desirability of areas when you have drills and practicing of arms training so often. People complain about not being able to sleep with us being loud as it is. 
Of course, those who live in Lazaria choose to do so, knowing that the army is there. The army looks a bit smaller than I remember. Where has everyone gone? Those who are in the army are very good at Gorlag strategy. We rarely sustain losses. The problem is they are so stealthy and attack in different locations that we've had to spread ourselves thin to be able to defend the Oikos. Theris has not been able to offer help with the border issue in Kyrie, which I assume has been resolved. We just need to do something with those creatures. They aren't good for anything other than enslaving and capturing. That, uh, reminds me. What news did you have of Aminta? She is the reason you came to find me, was it not? Aminta is working as a scalag in the kitchens. She is nourished, but the Gulags do not have much else in the way of provisions. I know she wants to leave if she had a place to go. I had asked her about it, and she was quick to answer. She would have had a place with me. I was going to repose her, you know. She'd been out in Oikis, gathering wood for my smithery the very day. The reason I joined the army was to try and find her and get her back. I could only hope the Gorlags had her and hadn't killed her. The years have not been easy on my soul. I'm very sorry. We will find her. My parents will surely help with the keep attack. I can only hope. If I wasn't in the army and the Gorlags weren't as strong, I might have gone myself. Unfortunately, it does take an army to attack their keep. My only concern is what to do with the whole situation if we decide to attack them. I mean, we, we can't just negotiate any terms with them once we just attack them. I know, I, I know they are harboring folk from lands outside Kragash, though. Maybe you can build a wall or something around Kragash. If the humble bridge can stop them, why not build a humble wall? <laughs> okay, maybe not call it that. I'm... I'm sure you have mages that could entrance it, so they couldn't cross it without serious injury to themselves. Actually, Sig, that is an interesting idea. We could build a wall. Of course, we need to make sure any of our people, I mean, those who aren't Gorlak, aren't in there. I mean, they would be trapped forever, but it might actually work, yeah. Enough thinking on this. We should be getting some sleep. We all nodded in agreement and found our sleeping pallets, and settled down for the rest of the night. Madonia was far more glorious than I could ever imagine. It was the coastal capital of Fenarion, and I'd never seen the sea before. The horizon was overwhelming as we passed over the hill, on the outskirts of the oikas that fell into the city's gates. The buildings of the city were practically glowing in a brilliant white light, no doubt limestone and marble reflecting the sun's rays. It was still morning, though late morning, so the sun was only just beginning to rise. Madonia was built on a peninsula, intentionally jutting out to face the sunrise on the eastern side. I assume it would lend well to water warfare, as you could easily see attackers at dawn. Home at last. The closest I can get to home at least. My first home and love, Madonia. I have arrived. The queen opened her arms wide as a tear gently trickled down her face. This very day she would be able to see her parents, who had thought her dead for all these years while she was trapped in the Gorlag Key. Do you really think they would recognize me? Your eyes never change, Rowan. They can't forget this. Your hair always seemed to curl like Alphanarian's. We continued down the path to the city, I could see the gates more closely. 
They were brilliantly shining as well, from bronze or copper metal, I wasn't sure which. At the very top of the gates were two carved mermaids, their torsos in water, and their arms upraised to reach an olive tree, the Fenarion symbol of prosperity. Byron caught me eyeing it and commented, There is an olive tree in the center of Redonia. It is in the house gardens for queens. It's been a legacy for them with Puna. Queen Hera takes a great deal of pride in the tree. It was planted when Redonia was first populated over a thousand years ago. As with all olive trees, the pruning helps keep the fruit accessible for harvest. This is the only tree that has ever grown this close to the Sea of Ereni. Byron finished and raised his arm up to give welcome to the city guards. Due to gulag issues, the gates have to be continuously shut unless human travelers seek entry. He shouted to them in welcome. Kalimera, we seek entrance by the order of the Lazarian Royal Army. I am Byron. Melene Lexus. I'm glad to see that you are safe, Byron. It's been a while since the army has been here. The man looked at Byron's brooch that signified his status and nodded with a smile. Has everything been quiet here? Yes, nothing more than the occasional visiting thief that doesn't know about our new closed gate law. Have there been any Gorlag sightings on your part? Not hardly. Then again, I wouldn't put it past them to use this time to fortify themselves up in that keep of theirs. That is the reason we are here. We are going to seek an audience with their royal majesties. Well then, I shouldn't keep you any longer. Stania Nasos. Good health to you as well. The interior of the city was even more breathtaking than the outside. The palace was located in the heart of Medonia, bounded on all sides with great pillars that were intricately carved. It was built from bright marble with bronze tiles on its roof. Gold and colored glass mosaics were inlaid on the paths leading directly to the palace, each displaying a record of the history of the city. I couldn't imagine what kind of life Dela had had as she grew up in such an amazing place. Up this way. The outer courts are where we might find the chief steward. He will alert the royal majesties about our presence. There's a courtyard separating the outer and inner courts. The inner courts are where the royal majesties live. We continued up the path and into the palace area. It was all so much to take in, and as we entered, I felt like I was in a maze. There were so many winding corridors that I would assume any newcomer would be lost. Luckily, we were with Byron, who, as he was the commander, knew his way around. We entered the Hall of the Stewards, as it was called in Common Orindon, to find the chief steward. The hall was painted rather than ordained with mosaics. There was a mural of the Sea of Aireni that had a large sun peeking over the horizon. Stone benches were placed on either side of the doorways for the stewards that had offices within the hall. The stewards, Byron revealed, were put in charge of the general operations of the palace. There was one steward to head up the storage units to the west, one steward to oversee accounting in the east, one steward for trade, and so on. The chief steward oversaw all the other stewards and was in charge of those allowed admittance into the Basileikos of Ailey, where the king and queen held court. We came to the room of the chief steward, and Byron told us to wait while they talked. This has been quite an interesting journey. Mira helped herself to one of the benches, as Byron opened the door to the steward's office and closed it behind him. I am glad I came with you. I would never be able to see some of these wonders had I not. I'm glad you came too. Who protects Harper Woods while you're gone? 
I have my magic. Granted, I'm not too good with it, but I have enough knowledge to put up simple barrier spells. Magic is not just words. It's a part of yourself that you let weave through them. It's a combination of prayer and faith. I believe that it can work, and so it does. But I pray to the Creator that he will work the words through me for the good of the forest. What about bad magic? How does that work? Those who do evil magic gain it by saying prayers to the Destroyer, the Devourer of Souls. It may seem like it is stronger, but if you have enough faith in the Creator, then good will always prevail. Oh, uh, Devourer of Souls. Sounds a little... menacing. Not to me. He has no power unless you give it to him. As Mira finished, the door to the office opened back up and Byron came out. The chief steward hobbled out. He was a short man. Adorning him was a large white tunic with a blue belt that wrapped around his pudgy middle. As soon as he saw daylight, he knelt down in front of her. Your presence is most welcome, your highness. If I had only known you were coming, I, I would have made your entry more welcome. I have been welcomed nonetheless. Just being alive and here is welcome enough for me. Are my parents available for meeting? They will be. Once they know you are here. The man looked around and realized that Daylat was not the only one outside his door. My apologies, fellow visitors. I am Aircall, the, the chief steward. I am Rowan, friends of Faerus. It has been a while since I was last here, but I do think I remember you. Yes. I'm not a face to be easily missed. I'm sorry. I did not address you as I should have. I, I, I do so respectfully apologize. That's quite all right, Akul. I understand. While I inform their royal majesties, I will have one of the ladies of Hera attend to you. Chief Stewart then shuffled off to the Basileic Osavelli, where Queen Hera and King Stefan were holding court, and where the ladies of Hera were. Seems like a nice enough guy. How long do you have to work to be a chief steward? In Fenarion, practically everyone works their way up to their positions. If you wish to become the head of something, you get into the industry very young. He probably trained as a messenger boy, and from there he would be an assistant to a steward, then a steward, then a chief steward. The only times those rules do not apply is for the personal attendance of the royal family. They are chosen and from royal families, not always well-born. We think more highly of those we can trust than those who have money. Money can buy betrayal, to be sure, but those who are loyal will never succumb to that. To those attendants who marry within the court, we grant them a family house nearby so that those who are loyal are always at our side. Sounds like a good plan. Siegfried was about to continue talking when a woman arrived from around the corner of the hall. She was tall and her nut-brown hair cascaded in curls around her face. The rest was braided and curled up in rows around the crown of her head. Her face was fair in complexion and was flawless. She wore a long dress that was draped all around, cascading in waves as she walked towards us. Welcome. The woman bowed in front of Daylight and Rowan before rising to greet us. I am called Kaya. Eric Hall sent me to show you the rooms we have available for you to rest before your audience. As much as their royal majesties are anxious in meeting you, they want to make sure you're properly presentable in the court. Daylight looked a bit shocked at Kaya's statement, and then looked down at herself. 
Gloria had given her spare dress for traveling, but anything elaborate takes time to make. Daylight looked more of a peasant than a queen. I had been traveling to Medonia in the attire I had before meeting King Birchill, as they were still in the inn when I returned. My new clothes I had been given were taken after my first day at the Gorlag Keep. I seem to be underdressed for the occasion. <laughs> no one else would believe I'm a queen. True beauty is never measured by one's clothes. We have four rooms available currently. There are some visiting ambassadors from Kalos that are occupying the rest. Daylart and Rowan, due to your status, you've been granted one room each. The other two can be divided amongst your companions. Byron, you are most welcome to stay here rather than the outpost. We appreciate your escort. We were left to decide who would inhabit which room. Leah is played by Sophie Neveu. Daylat is played by Mippa. Rowan is played by Faithorn. Siegfried is played by Jaunty Hat. Aircole is played by Stephen J. Cohen. Kaya is played by Nancy Stew. Kalaharas is played by Faithorn. Lexus is played by Ellie Hirschman. Mira is played by Randy Anderson. Byron is played by Russell Gold. For other casts and credits, please visit www.ladyfromday.com. That's www.ladyfromday.com. Join us next time for the continuing story of Lady From Day.